Hello and welcome to a special edition. I'm going to just go ahead and say it to an important edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show specifically for Woodbine Mile Day, Saturday, September 17th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital. If I squint out my hotel window here, I can see Woodbine. I almost tried to get over to do this show from Woodbine. I'm only about five minutes away, but I realized you guys on audio wouldn't be able to see that anyway. And I'd rather just, you know, be more civilized and not have to rush all the way over there. So you get me from the hotel room um, with Woodbine in the far distance. It's a terrific card. We've got a lot of stakes races, and we're going to try to make some hay on the back half of this card. Really interesting uh, rendition of, or edition, I guess you can go either one. I think edition is better. Really interesting edition of the Woodbine Mile this year. To talk about that, to talk about the summer and the Tama, and a little baby talk crossover with you, we bring in the man we turn to when it comes to all things Woodbine over at In The Money Media. He's also our business manager. He's Drew Cotney. Drew, what's going on? Hold on. Oh my gosh, there it is. All right, Pat McAfee style. I am so excited we're standing up for this thing. I'm handicapping, standing up. No no visuals today, but I hope you all heard that noise. We are yeah, excited. What was that? I, was, I was worried you'd like fall into the floor, but everything's okay? Power stance. I am ready. Great card ahead. I think there's a lot of great beatable favorites, and I'm ready to sink into it. But how are you doing today? I'm excellent, man. I'm very happy to be back up here. First trip to uh, Woodbine since 2019. And I haven't gotten over there yet. I was meant to go to the track yesterday. And I ended up doing Horse Player Happy Hour from this awesome brewery I found in the Ossington neighborhood of Toronto called Bellwoods. I was loving their stuff. And I, I was hitting uh, hitting it up well with the staff. And they suggested that they had like a room upstairs. They were like, do the show from here. Then you can have dinner too. And so it's, it's kind of embarrassing. Somebody just asked me, have you had anything good to eat in Toronto? And the answer is yes but I've had three meals all at the same uh, brewery. <laughs> I can't get out of there. Um, and it's not like it's near where I'm staying either. Anyway, worth traveling for Bellwoods Brewery on a future trip. I also looked briefly to see if I could, you know, maybe sneak in one night of the Toronto International Film Festival, but it just goes to show. See, when Susan's here with me, I'm civilized. I go see two to three films. When it's just me, it's breweries and, and handicapping and, and betting on horses. So that's, you're literally that's a, you're literally a bar rat. You turn into a bar rat when she's not around. <laughs> it's, about um, right. it's not always. Sometimes it's restaurants, but I have this. It's like a weird habit I've had lately of going to a place, finding a place I like hanging out and just going back there. There's something nice about having a place that feels like you're local in a city where you don't live. I think I've realized that about myself. 100% agree. That is my move as well. If I were to go back to like Chicago or to my hometown, going to the same restaurants over and over again, I hate venturing out when you've got a friendly face behind the bar. I do think it helps in terms of service sometimes too. All right, let's dive in to these races. Enough, uh, you know, we always encourage the tangents on these shows, but enough is enough. Not when we have three grade one races to talk about. And the first one we're going to talk about is the grade one summer stakes for these two-year-old Colts going one mile on the turf. It's interesting. Both of these two-year-old races, as we get into the baby talk uh, crossover portion of the show, uh, sponsored by our friends at Gainesway, I might throw in there. These are not the fields I was necessarily envisioning. And, And who knows, maybe the rising up of Kentucky Downs is part of that. But, you know, we do have one foreign shipper, but it feels to me like, you know, in a perfect world, we'd have more shippers from overseas, more shippers from New York. I think we got to start talking about this race probably by discuss, discussing Mysterious Night, uh, the Appleby runner, but we'll, we'll just send it to you 
to give your idea on how we're going to get this. Uh, we're playing this uh, this guaranteed $250,000 pick five. What numbers are going to be on your tickets? Yeah, I'm starting this one off. I handicapped prior to the morning lines coming out, and I landed on the number three appraise. I had a morning line at two to one, came out at five to one, and that feels like a great price. And I think you can go back to that sprint race and say, this horse just does not want to sprint early. And this one mile EP Taylor configuration of that grinder plotter style and finding those late gears uh, will help this one out. And that debut race was pretty darn strong uh, for the number three appraise in Claravich Stables. Chad Brown's not the best uh, shipper up into Woodbine, and you can make an argument why I ship up north, but I think it's a grade one. He sees a easy spot to easier spot than, say, some of the Kentucky Downs races to try and get a notch a grade one for this two year old. So I'm going with the number three appraise on top. And then I'm going to use a couple others. The number seven, stay on her good side. Had a great debut on the turf last out to make two moves, uh, one on the backstretch and one down the lane. And couldn't quite get the, the lead situation figured out and cost him the race. He was actually running on the long wrong lead for most of that, that uh, stretch drive. And I think just with a little bit of uh, with a little bit of luck, this number seven stand our good side still has an opportunity to improve. And then we'll use the number six, six Philip, my dear, coming out of that same race as stay on our good side. I just think is also a good horse. Those both are going to be my backups on my ticket. My main play is the number three appraise with uh, two backups of the six and the seven. And hopefully uh, Rob Dev, the top 10 punter in the UK today. Uh, that is that is a mouthful, Pete. You are a man for being able to say that off the tongue like you do. The number one mysterious night, I'm fading. I, I just didn't see it. Maybe I'm missing something. I think you are missing something. I mean, the horse is the most likely winner by some way in this spot. I did speak to Rob Dove, as you indicated, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK today. He estimates that he that Mysterious Knight would run about a 79 on the buyer speed figure scale. If you're interested in more analyses like that, you should be reading over it in themoneypodcast.com. Dove working in tandem with our man, uh, Stephen Bonnet, who's going to be helping us out. Uh, he did such a great job um, uh, helping us out around uh, Derby time and around uh, a Breeders' Cup last year. He's been helping put together these analyses of, of foreign runners. And Mysterious Knight, I'm not saying he's a world beater, but I do feel like he is uh, the most likely winner based on based on figures and form. And I mean, what else do you need to know other than the success that Applebee's had in North America over the last couple of years? Right, right. Yeah, and, and, and I, I went with the storyline in my head that Appleby shipped this over with uh, with modern games, who we'll talk about in a little bit, and that it was a chance to to collect a check and see what happens. But I, I think someone made a good point to me that Godolphin isn't just shipping for the funds of it, you know, having having fun and having a horse in. They're a serious business operation, and they don't do things lightly. So I, I may reconsider hearing that seventy nine buyer uh, that that should be projected. I did not make Mysterious Knight my top pick because while I do think he's the most likely winner, I think there's a really interesting runner in here in the number five, Sammy Stone. This horse, to me, ran a really eye-catching race on debut, making up ground on a day that racing flow had a speed bias. I think time for might have had it as speed bias, too. It, just, it wasn't a day where you saw a lot of closing, and yet uh, close Sammy Stone did. This horse is going to be a huge number, and I think he should be able to take the turf. I'm very intrigued by Oscar performance as a sire. And I did note also that the lone sibling of this runner, while not a winner, did earn the highest 
speed figure on the green. So I was going to try to shake up the world a little bit with the plenty of fives on my tickets and try to get Sammy Stone up into the verticals as well, because I think he'll be a big enough uh, price to build some things around. But in verticals uh, and horizontals, there'll be loads of Mysterious Knight on my tickets as well. Let's pivot to waste number eight, the grade three Seaway Stakes. We've got three-year-old and up Phillies and Mares going seven furlongs on the all-weather. I picked number five, Super Sensational in this spot. Hasn't run on synthetic in a while, but based on her body of work, I think you can make the case that she's best on synthetic. And I also think she might be a little bit better going seven furlongs than the sharper five and a half distances she's been running on the turf. You throw in the fact that this is the third start off the layoff, and I think we could see a peak effort from this one that might just be too much for this group. I'm a huge Lady Spitespear fan, and she's undefeated on synthetic. She's going to be on a lot of tickets as well. I was going to play at five and nine in the Seaway. How do you like this one? Nothing else to add other than that. That that the super sensational the number five's body of work, that foundation from those uh, woodbine runs, the eleventh and twelfth down on your PPs is pretty impressive. I'm going a straight exacta five nine in this race. Nothing else to add. Okay, so so loads of agreement there after completely disagreeing about the. The, the the first race the summer though it sounds like I may have um, I may have talked you into maybe trying to respect the the likely favorite in there we'll see how it turns out we'll go on to race number nine this is the Grade One Rico Woodbine Mile Stakes three and up obviously one mile and obviously on the turf Modern Games the big big favorite in here are you with or against Oh my gosh you gotta to me I had to answer three questions in my head one is is the pace gonna be hot Second is, where is Modern Games going to be placed? And then third, how heavily bet is Modern Games going to be placed? On the day, we'll be able to get be able to see that. Um, in order of, of those questions, I think the pace is going to be hot. I think Modern Games is going to be a little more closer to that pace than needs to be. And, um, and I think this horse is going to be bet down below even money. I can see it. of all the storylines. I mean, the Breeders' Cup, I want my vengeance, or even it's just a, in the news that, right, an accidental gate scratch. I had this horse. I know a lot of people other had this horse in the Breeders' Cup betting contest and just got shut out, literally shut out without doing anything wrong. And so I think people are going to be looking to get a bit of revenge on on cashing their tickets that is with modern games so i think that horse is going to be over bet and don't forget to the last two back and three back this runner faced uh 26 horses collectively and was the heavy 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 favorite and failed to win so i think there's a little bit of signal in that now you could make an argument well it was soft going or too short but i mean if you're bet down like that you got to overcome the adversity in the place that you're spotted so I'm against the number five, and I'm going to the top pick of number two, Ivar. I'm looking for someone coming off of this pace a little bit, and I think Ivar's pattern sets up really nicely second off. I use that air quotation, second off, that we saw last time going for the Keeneland Turf Mile. Didn't quite get the job done that time with the slower pace up front and nothing to close into, but I think we're going to see that again. The number two, Ivar, is my top pick at four to one. I imagine we will have to see more than four to one on the day. Uh, that's not quite a win bet there. I think five to one, six to one feels a little better to me. The other two I will be using is the number 11, March to the Arch at 12 to run. 
12 to one uh, last race was a toss with the slow pace and the second off the bench and the true spot Cassie was pointing towards is here. You have to imagine. And this stable mate get smoke and will ensure that there's a pace for this one to run into. So I, I really hope we don't see another town cruise like performance by someone in here where uh, it's a loose lead and we go, why didn't we have that loose leader? But I'm going to go with the number 11 and then the number three for just a little Wakanaka um, at 10 to one. I, I, I'm just thinking, don't be surprised if this runner notches a career best here. And last out was really impressive. Two back faced a real tough Regal glory that, uh, that Wakanaka spotted Regal glory in the back of the pack, like five lengths when the running started. Um, so the PP lines go back and watch that re- replay. Cause the PP lines don't show the story loose leader and the real race was happening about five or eight lengths back of that loose leader who faded. Um, and so those are the three horses I'll be using on this. Uh, the number two and the number 11 is A's um, Ivar and March to the arch and a backup with Wakanaka in case this one has a promising future. I'm with modern games for most of my play, but you raise a very good point about being over bad. I think it's simpler than, anything to do with the Breeders' Cup uh, race last year and, and that mess. I mean, I think people are going to see a uh, length and three-quarter to Bayid, who other than Flightline is widely regarded as the fastest horse in the world. I guess you could say the fastest turf horse in the world. And I think people, that I think they're going to, you know, bet the snot out of him, basically. Uh, I think the boys had him running to about a 101, which makes him the favorite, but doesn't make him the four to five favorite the way that that form line does. And it's important to note and, uh, Dove noted this. Michael Adolfson noted this as well, that he was a bit flattered by being that close to Bayid because Bayid had basically been eased at that point. The race was over. It's not like ability-wise he's within two lengths of Bayid. I mean, Bayid would be one to five in here, but that doesn't mean that modern games should necessarily be four to five. Probably more like even money, 11 to 10, six to five would be more representative of his chances. But in the picks, I'm still going to play roughly half my money through him. And then I'm going to take some shots. And one of the horses I want to take a little bit of a shot with is Ivar, who is trending back in the right direction. It's funny how you air quoted the second off the layoff with the 70 days. But I mean, in a way, it's true. Second race. Clearly, this was something, you know, they've been targeting for Lobo Barn going well. I mean, all the things you said about Ivar are exactly true. A couple of prices to throw in as well that I'll be messing around with modern games in exactas and then also in horizontals for the other 50% of my money that doesn't go through modern games. Finest Sound isn't out of it. Now, not nearly as uh, sexy of a profile as the top one, but again, just playing the numbers game uh, for, with uh, the Dove and, and Stephen Bonnick numbers, they have him running to about a 99. That doesn't put him out of this for a horse that could easily be uh, double-digit odds. And then I think you can tell a little bit of a story about our old friend, Cheryl Spite. When you look at the last race, which was run, you know, not at all to suit trying to close into very slow pace, you can completely throw out the Salvatore mile and then, you know, had a trip in the turf classic over, you know, we've talked about how Churchill turf, you know, that Arlington at meet and the the meet even on Derby day, like, you know, there's a reason they decided to replace the turf course after <laughs> it wasn't playing like normal turf. I think you could just basically draw a line through it. And then, you know, you go four back makers mile, boom, fits. And this is always just going to be 12 or 15 to one. So I definitely want some two, four, six with my five in this year's running of the Woodbine mile. Let's move on to race number 10. Baby talk once again, 
with the two-year-old Phillies in the grade one Natalma. We're going one mile on the turf in this spot. And uh, who's your idea of the winner, Drew? Oh, what a confusing race here um, for the girls. I'm going to go with the number six, Wickenheiser. I think made an early move and was the farthest back just to finish in the frame and lost the most ground in that race with a couple others coming out of here. Um, I was surprised to see three to one on the morning line for Wickenheiser, considering this one finished fifth, beaten by three other horses in here. So I'm hoping we can get a little bit better price than that because this horse will need a little bit of a pace setup and should be right for the stretch out. I'll also be using the number five, Adore, I think, uh, had another ground uh, ground loss type of trip and just didn't have that quick in. Maybe the six and a half was too sharp. Again, similar story that we're telling ourselves of the number six, Wickenheiser. And then Cairo Con- Consort, uh, I-, I think, had a great trip, but is continuing to improve and can't leave off. I would love to use a, a, a new face like the number three, G. Lori, but... I just can't trust that form coming out of that race. And maybe it is a stepping stone. Maybe Graham Motion didn't have him cranked up. If that's the case, then if you side with G. Laurie, I'd, I'd recommend just fading the rest of the other candidates coming out of the catch a glimpse to eke out as much value as you can in the sequence, especially with using modern games and Mysterious Night in the earlier sequences. So for me, just to put, to put a pin in it, the six, five, and one is A's for me to make my stand. I'm doing exactly the opposite of what you said and, and looking to use Cairo Consort and G. Laurie. I think those are the two interesting horses. I did put Cairo Consort on top, just an obvious choice off the dominating win in the prep. And we mentioned this is an Atalma. You know, it, it's not the strongest Atalma you're ever going to see without New York or European invaders. On her blood, she's supposed to do well going longer. I just think she makes too much sense to leave out. And the thing about G. Laurie, yeah, it wasn't a fast race um, that, that she won, but I think it is of tremendous value to have a mile and a 16th win. I like the fact that she wasn't, you know, she wasn't necessarily uplining in that race, but she wasn't slowing down. And I just think we've seen from Graham Motion before that he's able to improve these two-year-old Phillies leaps and bounds from start to start. Two-year-old Colts as well. Like the numbers... The numbers don't always tell the story when they're going long on turf for the first time. And that's why I think you're going to get a better than should be price on G. Laurie. I made Cairo Consort an A and G. Laurie a B in this spot. And I'm going to take another long look at the ones you mentioned. I just noticed, I guess, I guess I'm hoping for a big weekend from uh, Oscar Performance, who's also the sire of, of G. Laurie, which I didn't, what, I wasn't even really factoring into the pick. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes for Oscar and the two juveniles that I'm picking in these stakes up at Woodbine. We know he did awfully well there. One of the Woodbine miles I went to, I think it was, we saw some good Woodbine mile winners in my run up at this, this weekend a few years ago. I got to see Teppen one year, saw Oscar another year. Yeah. Not, not a bad, not a bad little assortment of horses. We'll see if the kids like this Woodbine turf course, as much as Oscar P did. We've got one more race to talk about drew it's race number 11. We've got an allowance race going a mile and a 16th on the inner turf. And it's an important race paying off this uh, guaranteed uh, money, 250000 guaranteed in this uh, in this pick five. I think I called it an all-stakes pick five. I lied. It's four stakes, and it's this race. But uh, who's your idea of the winner? How are we going to get paid? 
Yeah, and I'm going to run through some uh, consideration horses because I think this is a little bit of a spread. And this is not the last race on the day as well, by the way. So this is the the penultimate, the second to last race. And my top choice is the number six, Gayful, in here. Last three turf tries were really good with some troubled trips and should be able to press the pace and might be able to put it all together. Uh, number seven, Big Band Lesianne. Um, I'm excited to hear Robert Geller say that one uh, off the track <laughs> announcement. Um, but it's going to be a speed horse who can do better than two back and where she ran a little too fast early and faded. And it looks like to be getting a, a, on the right form here for the number seven, big, bad Louisiana. And then two backups I'll be using is number eight, Spitestown Cheryl at six to one, second off of the uh, off of the year. And it looks like. Um, could really like the inners with some speed and tactical ability and has some of the best back class in this form. And then an old favorite, the number 10, Miss Mary at 10 to one. We got her home at 20 to one uh, over the all weather a few starts back. And I think we'll be flying home late. And if the pace does get hot up front with the, the likes of number seven, big bad Louisiana and Spitestown Cheryl pressing, I think this one could really get it done. So Six and seven on the A line for me, and eight and ten on the B's trying to spread and catch a price. I don't mind that approach, and I'm gonna probably steal some of your picks as backups. In the write up I did over at theraces.com, you know, that we're not talking about horizontals there, just talking about horses to potentially bet. And I thought that big band Louisiana, the number seven runner, at the projected odds of three to one or so, and that's where I could see her really opening up with the bookies. I think she'd be an excellent bet. At or around that price. I mean, we have to see how she can class up at the level. But when you have a figure that stacks up as competitively as hers and a potential pace advantage, it becomes a lot easier to class up. So I made her a clear lone A. And then as for Bs, yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in, in spreading. Spitestown Sherl was one of the ones who was going to be on my uh, on my list. I like your case for for. Um, is it, it's, uh, I'm not sure. I, I've never, I never hesitate over the pronunciation of names and I'm hesitating over Galeful, but I, maybe that is it. We'll go with Galeful. Um, would definitely be on some tickets. So six and the eight. What did you make of Lido Key as a potential backup in this spot? I know. I, I, I looked over this one uh, pretty long and hard and uh, I've never seen a trainer and a, and, and a horse back up this stat as much as this one that Stephen uh, Shurkop has been sending out second place horses. I mean, it's unbelievable Has 103 starts, 22 seconds, 17 thirds, and only nine wins. And I just don't think this horse is going to be able to navigate and actually find the winner's circle. For whatever reason, this horse doesn't want to pass. And I'm not really willing to take a short price on what looks like to be an evenly matched horse against the rest of these. So, I mean, we saw it with English Biscuit, the number one, uh, drawing the rail, two back, beat Lido key here at uh, at what I imagine is a bomb price, and we're going to see another bomb price today. Yeah, one at twenty one, yeah twenty one to one, and today is fifteen to one as well. So if you start using Lido key and some of those others, I think you got to spread uh, spread elsewhere as well. I, I'm not in, interested in the short price with the seconditis. I get it. I I do get what you're saying. I just uh, picturing being alive in this pick five and not having this runner and just logical enough on numbers that I'd, I'd feel a little insecure, but whatever, I suppose I could always hedge on the, on the win end. I, I think you're probably right. You're not going to see a lot in the way of, uh, of value with that one. So I'll probably, I'll probably just go ahead and leave off the ticket. And I do think 
I think your Miss Marie idea is interesting, and and, and I might uh, throw a little bit in there as well, just in case if, if it's one of these situations where it doesn't look like there's a ton of pace, but sometimes we know how that goes. Jockeys and their agents, they handicap two. And if it ends up being an unexpected amount of pace, Miss Marie closing sectional wise, uh, as good as many of these. And that was more than a few races ago, that race you were talking about, you realize that was back, that was last July and it wasn't 20 to one. It was 29 to one, according to the PPs. That was not a bad pick by you. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, time does fly there. Uh, and and I, I do think that Miss Marie has has the ability to get it done uh, at this distance. Um, and th- I mean, we're really anchoring on that race two back that got that pace set up and just missed out by about a half a length at 10 to one. And I think we'll see a little bit more of that. One thing I will say on Lido Key to finish finish the that off. If you think Lido Key is going to not be bet because of the second-itis that we're all seeing, it could be a way to do some reverse psychology and cover thinking no one else will have this horse covered because she's a second-itis type. So you got to make that decision. I think she's going to be bet just enough, three to one-ish, that it doesn't interest me to try and dilute my my capital through that. I don't think that usually shows up in in the market. I think that the markets are so determined by numbers that I think it's probably maybe the five to two is is not maybe that's a little aggressive, but I I don't think she's going to be any kind of like great value. I'm I'm down with this idea of leaving her off, and if I'm in a position to hedge, I might just bet to get my my stake back if she wins. You know what I mean? I don't think I want to be empty handed on on such a logical. Um, or you do that, the Mike Maloney trick, where you bet the horses you're alive to under Lido Key in the exacta. The benefit of that is you spend a lot less and you figure if one of your horses didn't run second anyway, you really don't you don't deserve to hit it, frankly. And that, that's not a horrible idea to go. But while we have a minute left here, Drew, let's go back because we did, you know, I, I am curious if I've uh, turned you around at all about these Appleby runners and, and just to get... Any further thought or any pushback from you on uh, on my enthusiasm for them? Uh, you mean with Modern Games and Mysterious Night? Correct. <sighs> I'm, t- I'm turning around to the idea of Modern Games uh, o- only for the fact that... Actually, no. I can't convince myself. I'm standing my ground because I, I agree with you. I watched the Bahid replay and I thought, wow, this horse, Modern Games was in touch with the field and was a pace suck up. And when the real running happened, the final two furlongs was able to finish behind Bahid. No, no big deal. And was Bahid even fully cranked up? Probably not either. So yeah, is a likely winner. But when you look at all the form figures, it's hard to argue that this one stands or towers above like Bahid would. And I, I just do think this is going to, this horse is going to be over bet in the odds Odds checker market right now, uh, Modern Games is instilled, I think, below even money. Yeah, uh, five to four. We're seeing some prices okay. exchanging. Five to four isn't bad on by. Uh, excuse me, on by on Modern Games. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd go ahead and take. I'd go ahead and happily take that. I, I think you could. It that could be flipped to four to five by the time. Uh, and you know, five to four is basically six to five. Um, right. And, so and if you and if you had a gun to my head, do you take? Modern games at five to four or Ivar at seven to two where Ivar's trading. I'm taking modern games every day. Right. But we'll see. And it's uh, part of this is just the psychology of the picks. Like this, this is a horse that, you know, even if you only think he's got a, 
I don't know, 40% chance to win, 45% chance to win. I just don't want to, if I'm making a serious swing at this pick five, I'm not, even if I don't love that horse, I'm not getting beat by that horse. But this is the debate we've had and, and has raged on on Twitter as well. Um, it, you know, it, it's, I think it just comes down to your gambling personality and what you're looking to accomplish, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to make the bet of my year in this pick five and, you know, run 50% of my money through through modern games who might be four to five in that pick. I, I have a feeling he'll be around even money in that pick, and I don't think we'll lose a ton of equity uh, pressing him up. But I absolutely respect your your decision. If you don't, if you really don't like a horse like this, and you don't mind, you know, the fact that it's very likely your pick five is going to die right here. Like whatever, there's other bets you can play. So why not? I mean, it's to me, it's a it's a very clear agree to disagree, different strokes for different folks kind of situation. And two more questions on this. One is is modern games already qualified uh for the breeders cup turf i imagine is i can't imagine the horse running second in the sussex not getting into the breeders cup mile which is I think right. the race that they would go to so so is modern games here to get acclimated showing up to mile high stadium earlier type of thing <laughs> getting used to denver's altitude all right we're gonna no, i think he'll go here. back i think he'll go back i don't think it's okay. that i think it's i mean this is they know he likes North American racing. I think they circled this target a long way out. And I think they're just executing the plan to, for him to win a very valuable race that can really help, um, can help propel a stallion along. I mean, we heck, we talked about Oscar performance enough on this show to, to underline that point. So I, I just think it's a very logical spot. It doesn't seem like there's too many better than Appleby and the Godolphin team about picking the horses who are going to thrive in North American conditions. And they've already done it with this horse at the Breeders' Cup. And, and I think this is just this is just the next logical step for him to, you know, annex a, a valuable grade one uh, prize. We'll see if it works out again. I mean, he, as much as I respect him, I, I, I do want to take some shots with some other horses in here in case, uh, you know, something interesting happens. And I'll definitely be... This is a very interesting vertical race to me, too, feathering him, modern games, in with those other three runners I mentioned, Ivar, Finest Sound, and uh, and the, the, the Spite Horse. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be fantastic. And and what, what cool storylines to be able to follow with not only the two shippers coming in with Finest Game and Modern, or Finest Game, Finest Sound and Modern Games, but also the Speed Horses that we haven't even really talked about with Get Smoking being legitimately fast. And if they let Get Smoking go, because Cassie, I imagine, is going to say, let's see, let's just try. <laughs> like, hey, go, get her out there and see what happens. I... I I could see the wire job happening. And so it's just going to be a, a one that I know we're going to be watching replays for a while. And it's going to be a great addition on Saturday to watch as a kind of a pinnacle of, of the turf uh, up at Canada. It's going to be fun. I mean, if town cruise, let's get smoke and go. I don't know what uh, Dice K is doing. I mean, you've got to figure after winning the thing in wire fashion last year. But, you know, stranger things, stranger things have happened, I suppose, in horse racing. You see all kinds of crazy stuff. But I'm I'm really counting on those two um, and maybe Mighty Hard on pace figures, too. I mean, we haven't even – how about this? We haven't even talked about uh, Mighty Hard, <laughs> le- legendary uh, Canadian runner, plate winner, uh, one-eyed wonder, whatever you want to say. Uh, it's just – I think it's just super cool to have a runner like that in here as well. And, and hopefully we're going to get an honest pace and a truly run race. Um, you know, you talked about the pace before. I, I would assume modern games sitting just in behind it. This is going to be a fun one on Saturday. 
Oh, it's going to be awesome. And thanks for having me today. Yeah, that was great fun. And we'll thank you, Drew Cotney. We'll thank our friends and partners at Woodbine, uh, Lindsay and the team. It's been a great working with them again this year and you know a lot of new a lot of new faces around it it's been great meeting everybody and i look forward to uh to today by the time most people listen to this it will have happened but i'm actually going to do the simulcast show and i'll send around i took fairly copious notes i'm going to send around them around as an extra little plus feature as well that should be a lot of fun okay we got to get out of here my friend um this show's been a production of in the money media our business manager is this guy right there drew Cotney, our chief creative officers jonathan kinchin i feel bad though i didn't thank all of you for listening let's throw it back one second just to say thanks all of you to list for listening most of all because i really do mean that especially those of you who subscribe to plus but really just anybody who uh, downloads and listens we, we you know this is what makes it fun this is what allows us to keep uh, rocking and rolling on this network i'm peter thomas Fornatel. may you win all your woodbine mild day photos